and pro- This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Words matter. When you decide to speak your mind, you better decide what your mind really is. Because if you think out loud and speak what's on your mind, what you really are doing, from God's perspective, is speaking what is in your heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you know what one of the strongest phrases in the Bible is coming from the words of Jesus? He said, by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. I want you to think about that for just a moment. We all should think about that for just a moment. We all have a mouth, one mouth and two ears. But are we not prone, particularly the more so in this day and age, to, as they say, mouth off? To spew out of our mouth whatever seems to lurk between the ears at a given moment. We speak without thinking. Some of us think without speaking. That's a problem, too. But God is very concerned about our words. If he were not, Jesus would not have said, by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Today we want to take a look at this matter of words. We want to take a look at what's happening in our country. Yes, our country, your country, my country, as it relates to words. Because words do matter. When we were growing up, many of us heard the phrase, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can never hurt you. Well, it just isn't true. It just isn't true. Words can hurt. In fact, words can kill. How many people now are losing their lives through suicide, young people, because of words that were said on social media? Words that were said on social media. It seems that suicides are rising dramatically. But why? There are so many things that perhaps are taking place in our world today that directly have their link to words. And so today, we talk about words. You see, words are containers. They're like seed pods. And you sow a word, and it produces after its kind. Jesus used that analogy in Mark chapter 4 to describe his own word. He said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed in the ground. And the seed should rise, be watered, night and day. And then the seed should rise up and produce after its kind, but you don't know how. You don't know how, you just know that it did, because the fruit reveals the root. 
Jesus likened his own word to that of the analogy of sowing seed in the ground. In other words, words are seeds. I'll never forget about, uh, oh, it must be 35 years ago now, when I was uh, still practicing law in Southern California and uh, was asked a number of times by a Jamaican church in southwest Los Angeles to uh, come and speak. And uh, so I did. And I I remember one particular time the Lord prompted me to get a bag of seed. And so I did it. I I took that bag of seed down there. And uh, as I spoke, I walked back and forth across the platform and carried this bag of seed. And through that demonstration, was able to communicate to all who were present how powerful the Word of God is and how powerful seeds are. And yes, indeed, how powerful your words are. Those people will never, ever, ever forget that message. They just won't because it was so dramatic, the power of the seed. You see, your words are like seeds. And when they are sown, you don't even realize you're sowing the seed. You open your mouth and you spew out whatever it is you spew out, whether they're words of kindness or words of nastiness or perverseness or uh, deceit or whatever they happen to be. You don't realize that what you're actually doing from a spiritual standpoint, from God's viewpoint, is you're casting out seed that is going to produce after its kind. Now perhaps it's easier to understand why Jesus said, by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. You see, some people might say, oh, it sounds like you're preaching a doctrine of works. No, You see, Jesus said, your words will reveal what's in your heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Now you understand, perhaps, why the book of Proverbs says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. So what do you do then when the President of the United States stands up before the people on national television and takes over prime time for a half an hour display of his very provocative words. We'll talk about that just a little bit here on Viewpoint because the whole program is not dealing with uh, uh, Mr. Biden or with his speech last evening, but we're going to start there. We're going to take a look at what he says. Now, the Bible says fools mock at sin. So when Joe Biden mocks at sin and will Hillary Clinton mocked at sin openly and derisively, what are we supposed to think? What are we supposed to think about who they are and the value of their words when the Bible says fools mock at sin? How is it the fools mock at sin with their words? That's how they do it. And the more they mock, 
the more they intimidate people to follow their word, their will, and their ways. Why is it that the Bible says a wholesome tongue is a tree of life? The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish does not do so. In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tends only to poverty. And these are just a few examples of what the Bible has to say about the mouth. Or a word spoken in due season. How good is it? Words. It's a much bigger thing than any of us ever consider, I think. We'll be right back. You're listening to Viewpoint. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Behind every word that is spoken is the reason why it is spoken. You see, the reason why we'll we'll be judged by our words or condemned by our words is because of the reason why we say them. It's the motivation of the heart. It's not just the words themselves. It's the motivation of the heart that causes the words to be spewed out. Last night, flanked by Marine officers silhouetted in a blood-red backdrop, Joe Biden delivered a primetime address to the nation. One commentator described it as truly horrifying. Conservatives promptly labeled it the most divisive speech in the history of the American presidency. Why did they label it that way? Because that's exactly the purpose for which it was delivered. It wasn't delivered to unify the nation, as Joe Biden had indicated he would do, and was intent on doing with such passion at his inaugural address. No. They were manipulative words that he gave at his inaugural address, and were totally contrary to the actual inner attitude of the heart. They were manipulative words. So you don't get credit for wonderful words when you've spoken the words with the intent to manipulate, to somehow create something for people that is artificial, that you really didn't mean, but you're saying them in order to accomplish a secondary purpose. But according to one commentator, Joe Biden crossed into a very, very dangerous place last night He declared in a speech in Philadelphia that anyone who disagrees with him is a threat to the country. Basically, that's what he did. He insisted during the speech that his administration was a reasonable response to an existential threat to the nation. Existential threat 
to the nation. In other words, our nation is on the precipice of destruction. And who are those that are bringing about, intentionalizing the precipice of destruction, the destruction of a democratic republic? Joe Biden made it very clear. MAGA Republicans. Make America great again, Republicans. Whether or not you support Donald Trump isn't the issue. If you want to make America great again, you are an existential threat to the nation, he said. He said too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. He's right. But what part of it is not normal? The part that is not normal is what he's creating. What those in his agenda are creating. He said that Republicans who want to make America great again represent an extremism that threatens, I'm using his words, threatens the very foundations of our republic, and that's a threat to the country. Did he really mean those words? If he didn't really mean them, why did he say them? And if he did say them and meant them, what does that mean? What does that tell you? That this is not about Republican and Democrat anymore. It's way beyond that. These words were used by the putative president of the United States last evening as, shall we say, the initial volley from a whole slew of tanks, political tanks lined up to attack half of America. If he didn't mean that, then why did he say it? Why did he say that Republicans who support making America great again are extremists to the extent that they threaten the very foundations of a republic? What he was doing is laying the groundwork for a civil war. Who wants a civil war? Can this nation handle a civil war? We're already in an uncivil war. That's what the so-called culture wars are about. Can we really handle that? I think not. Immediate past president of the National Federation of Republican Women wrote on Facebook these words. Response of, responsing, uh, resp- in response to uh, Joe Biden's message. She says, don't let the words and actions of any group or any person, including the president, belittle you. Discourage your resolve in defending what this country actually stands for to try to take away your rights under the law or minimize your beliefs. Didn't Joe Biden promise unity in 2020 and instead deliver the most divisive speech in the history of the American presidency? So she says, I stand strong and tall with you, my fellow so-called extremists. Now, she didn't agree that they were extremists. She put the word extremists in quotation marks. In other words, using the term that Mr. Biden and those in his administration want to use to, shall we say, 
add insult to injury for political purposes. Not to actually say the truth, but to add insult to injury for political purposes. So, the immediate past president of the National Federation of Republican Women said, I stand strong and tall with you, my fellow extremists, for these purposes, to secure the border, to support our allies, to defend, not defund, law enforcement and the military, to follow the rule of law, to uphold our Constitution, to ensure fair elections, to curb inflation, to lower taxes, to support affordable energy, to battle hate, and to unify, not divide, this nation. Now tell me, which of those points is an attack on the foundations of the country, on the foundations of the republic? No. Those are the things that the so-called Make America Great Again folk stand for. Secure border, support our allies, defend, not defund, law enforcement and the military, follow the rule of law, uphold our Constitution, ensure fair elections, curb inflation, lower taxes, support affordable energy, battle hate, and unify the country and not divide it. Isn't that really what the majority of Americans really want? So why would they be labeled extremists? You see, to use or choose the word extremist is an extreme action. And it was calculated to do so. Another writer says that Biden's speech showed he hates half of America. He wants to deprive those who disagree with him of their constitutional rights. Under Biden, the Department of Justice is persecuting by prosecuting because of people's political beliefs and their opinions that the nation should follow voter laws and ordering unprecedented raid of the home of the former president. He's breaking all the norms. We got to see what in Joe Biden's heart last night and its hatred and it's vile. How do we know it's vile? Because deep in our hearts, we know what vile means. Deep in our hearts, we really understand what extremist means. And it does not mean the way the word is being used. It's being abused or perverted for power, perks, and position. Now, as I indicated to you, we're not going to spend all the time talking about Mr. Biden and his speech. His words revealed the root or the roots of his life, the roots of his thinking, because the fruit reveals the root. When you hear what a person says, it is the clue as to what is in their heart. Are you listening? Now, that's true not just for politicians. In fact, it's true for everybody. That's why the Word of God talks about our mouths, our words. For instance, here is another one in the Proverbs. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. 
And yet Joe Biden says that he, last night, that he was going to restore the soul of America. No, he had no intention of restoring the soul of America. What he wanted to do was destroy the soul of America in the name of restoring the soul of America. In other words, he wanted to change America to the vision that Barack Obama had when Barack Obama declared five days before his inauguration and said these famous words, you are five days away from the fundamental change of America. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what he said. And that's what he intended. That's exactly what he meant. And Joe Biden is just carrying it out. He is picking up the mantle of his predecessor to do what his predecessor wanted to do, including reconfirming the Iran deal. Actions, we are said, speak louder even than words. Words speak loudly, but actions speak even more loudly than words. So it's one thing for a politician or anyone else, a pastor or anyone else, to say something that on the surface sounds good, acceptable, whatever. But now you've got to look at what they do. Because if the doing is not consistent with the speaking, then the speaking was dishonest. It was coming from a deceitful heart. And as Jeremiah the prophet said, the heart of man is desperately wicked or deceitful. Who can even know it? Who can even know it? So, this uh, matter of words is a very big deal. The Proverbs also says, A fool utters all that's in his mind, but a wise man will keep it in until afterwards. In other words, won't just spew out whatever comes into his mind at the moment. He's going to ponder it. He's going to take his words seriously. His words are going to have weight. It's interesting that the first judge and prophet of Israel, Samuel, it was said of him that not one of his words fell to the ground idle. Now, that's an amazing thing to be said of a person. Not one of his words fell to the ground idle. He was so deeply revered by the people that his words were powerful, were weighty, and could be trusted, even though they may not like them. That it was said that not one of his words fell to the ground idle. That's a pretty big deal. Then again, in the Proverbs, it says, every word of God is pure. He's a shield unto those that put their trust in him. So don't add unto his words, lest he reprove you and you be found a liar. Oh, my goodness. When we add unto the word of God, how do we add unto the word of God? When God says something and we say, yes, but that's how we add unto the word of God. That's how Adam and Eve added unto the word of God. Satan's effort to distort and pervert the word of God 
has never changed. His methodology, his modus operandi has never changed, and he always uses the yes, but technique. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, the classic illustration of this that we've used so many times on this program, and I use it because it cuts across such a vast sphere of the American public and particularly the Christian community. Jesus said, whoever divorces their spouse causes them to commit adultery. And whoever marries the one so divorced commits adultery. So what do you say? The church says, yes, but. And makes all kinds of excuses because we don't like what Jesus said. So in other words, we are adding unto the word of God or taking away from the word of God because we think somehow we're equal to God. Hmm, Something to think about. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. We're talking about the power of words today, God's view of our words. By our words, we will be justified. By our words, we will be condemned, Jesus said. And we're looking at how words are playing out uh, politically, how they're playing out uh, in the social arena, how they're playing out in the so-called culture wars, (coughs) how they're playing out in the legal arena, and yes, even in the entertainment arena. We have so much more to talk about here in the second half of the program, and I'm glad that you joined us. Again, you're listening to Viewpoint. Our viewpoint determines uh, destiny. There are no neutral viewpoints, friends. You can argue with everything or some things that are said here on the program today, but because we're taking it directly from the Word of God, you're not arguing with me. You're arguing with God. No, I am not equal with God. I'm merely reading what he said. Now, so you either agree with what he said or not. And if you don't, then you're equating yourself with God, and that was precisely Satan's sin. He claimed to be equal with God. So he was cast out. Now, apparently, in our social spheres, uh, we're not too happy with Uh, the idea that Satan was cast out because whether you believe it or not, Disney, that you thought was trustworthy, is proving just the opposite in dramatic ways. 
Now, before we get into what Disney has to say here, calling a little girl the Antichrist, I want to urge you to seriously consider getting a copy of my book, Seduction of the Saints. Seduction of the Saints. How to stay pure in a world of deception. Don't you think the things we're talking about here reveal massive deception in every way? Oh, Christians are, are, are prone to dece- being deceived just like everybody else. That's why all the warnings of Scripture are to professing believers. To the Jewish people first and then to professing believers. All of them. They're not. The, Jesus said that the unbelievers condemned already. So the warnings don't go to them. For the most part, they go to believers. God's concerned about his warmest audience. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about whether you become deceived. Seduction of the Saints. How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. It's an $18 book, yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org. It's a life-changing book. It really is. It's more relevant today than the day it was written. It's becoming more relevant with every day and every week that passes. <clears throat> That's what people are saying. Seduction of the Saints. How to stay pure in a world of deception. $15 on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. If you're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, we'll get the book in your hands, and I do not think you'll be disappointed. But let's take a look at Disney. Here's the latest. The new cartoon from Disney features a little girl antichrist. There's no putting it off. She says, you, Dad, is the devil, and you're the Antichrist. The cartoon mom tells her daughter this about age 13. There's no more putting it off. Dad is the devil, and you're the Antichrist. The adult program is called Little Demon. One of the actors who provided voice voicing expressed approval that it normalizes paganism. Now, how is this done? Through words. That's how it's done. Through words and then pictures to try to maximize the effect of the words. A lot of people are watching video today because we've strayed away from the power of words. We like the images It's easier to look at images than it is to process words. Have you noticed that? A lot of people today won't read. Men won't read. Why? Because they don't want to process words. They just don't want to think. Friends, you can't speak a word without thinking. How do we know that? Because Jesus said, every word that you speak, you're going to be given, taken account of on the day of judgment. Wow. We don't think that way, do we? 
Why would Disney do this? You see, it's one thing to do it. It's one thing to call a little girl 13 years of age the Antichrist. It's another thing to have the reason for doing it. Who conjured this idea up? Why? That's the real issue. Because that's when Dis- what's in Disney's heart. That's what's in the heart of the leaders of Disney today. It's dizzying to see how wicked Disney has become. I wouldn't let my kids or grandkids get anywhere near Disney today. Yet I grew up with the Mickey Mouse Club. Together, let us hold our banner high, high, high. Mm Mm-hmm. That was a different day. Why would Disney use the word antichrist to discuss and and label a 13-year-old girl? Well, I'll tell you one reason. One reason is because the more the so-called uncivil society uses words like antichrist and Armageddon and uh, apocalypse, those kinds of words, words out of biblical prophecy, they are actually diluting the biblical meaning and power of those words so that people, it becomes normalized for people. No big deal, Antichrist. Okay, no big deal. So I wrote the book Antichrist. How to identify the coming imposter. But if Disney had their way, that would mean nothing anymore. Because even a 13-year-old girl can be the Antichrist. And it doesn't matter what the Bible has to say about it. It's whatever Disney portrays it to be. So the image itself is a form of speaking. Are you aware of that? The images that you follow are a way of speaking. They're entering your eye gate, and through your eye gate, they're entering your mind, and they're going deep into your heart, and then they produce words after their kind. It's amazing. The Russian Times had a special piece today. Why Americans abandon public schools and their agendas. A teacher says, leave those kids alone. Now, why would we talk about this in the context of words? Because the reality is what's happening in our public schools is that the teachers and administrations are using words to deceive, to completely change the whole agenda of public education, to turn it into a indoctrination station, much like you would drive your electric vehicle in and plug it in. So you drive your kid into the public school and he gets plugged into this new indoctrination station 
that is going to fill him or her with words that are totally contrary to God's intention for those words. In other words, he's being deceived. She's being deceived. Social media drew attention to public school teachers who were caught speaking to elementary age children about gender and preferred pronouns. And all of this kind of uh, stuff that is radically contrary to biblical life since God created, the Bible says, man, male and female, male and female created he them. He didn't create transgenders. He created male and female. You don't like that idea? You think your kid seems, your girl seems to be like a tomboy or your guy seems to be like a, I don't know what you would call him, Pinky Lee or whatever? It may be only temporary. And besides which, there are many variations of the expression of male and female. But they're still male and female. Scientifically, they're still male and female. And how about this? Google now, a Goliath, is so intent on destroying WorldNet Daily, the small business journalism operation that's been in operation for about 30 years now, one of the best sites on the Internet, that they're accusing, they're actually putting warnings out there saying, WorldNet Daily may harm your computer. You've got to be kidding me. It's an outright lie. Unless they mean by harm your computer, WorldNet Daily will tell you the truth that we're not willing to tell you. So they're using Google that you're depending upon to enable you to track words is actually deceiving intentionally the public about WorldNet Daily as a Christian news organization harming your computer. Give me a break. This is the degree of wickedness, friends, that is being displayed in words. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. A statement was made just a, a week or two ago. The FBI leaders have created a world of universal deceit. A world of universal deceit. 
How did they do that? Through words. That's how they did it. Through words. For once, they went into the court and they filed an application for a warrant. What did they say in the application for the warrant? Did they tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Did they leave out portions? Did they add to it? Did they make up something out of whole cloth? You may think that this is far-fetched, because it's not just related to the Mar-a-Lago attack there on uh, Donald Trump's home, because it goes all the way back to the 2016 election. And afterward, remember all of the attacks concerning so-called Russia uh, favoring by Donald Trump. The Russiagate thing. How did that happen? By false warrants, affidavits filed by the FBI. That's how it happened. Lying upon lying upon lying for a purpose. What was the purpose? Power, perks, and position for a particular political party. That was the purpose. Everybody knew it. They knew it in the highest echelons of the FBI, and that's why at least two, if not three, of those FBI heads have been fired or lost their jobs. They got caught. And now another one just resigned. Why? Because they have intended deceit through the use of words by an agency that is supposed to be one of the most trusted agencies in the country. So they've destroyed trust through deceit. How do they do it? With words. That's why Victor David Hansen says the FBI is beyond redemption. Why? Because there is no conscience. They have no conscience. The whole organization seems to have been completely reconstructed for political purposes. Then the FBI admits it routinely asks social media to suppress threats. Jeff Zuckerberg, uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg just came out and admitted that a week ago. That the FBI came to him as the head of Facebook and basically threatened him about revealing the truth of the Hunter Biden laptop situation, which was exceedingly damaging to Joe Biden. How did the FBI do that? Through words. That's how they did it. How do you deceive people? Pastor, how do you deceive people about different things? even theological issues that you've got a problem with or that your people have a problem with and you just don't have the gumption to teach and preach the whole truth. How do you deceive them? Words. Words are a big deal. 
Consider this. Democrat Representative Elaine Luria of Virginia said that the Inflation Reduction Act that was passed last month was more an environmental bill than one addressing inflation. Well, the truth finally came out. She let it slip what the bill was actually about. It wasn't about reducing inflation. Those were words that were used to sell or market or deceive the American public, and including your representatives, to make you all think that their real purpose was, <clears throat> yes, to reduce inflation. Had nothing, almost nothing whatsoever to do with reducing inflation. In fact, there's no way it could reduce inflation because it calls for the spending of a lot more money. So here's what she said. The Inflation Reduction Act, that might be the name, but it's a huge environmental bill that includes a lot of things. In other words, it was an environmental bill, and that's how they slipped it in. They slipped it in surreptitiously by mislabeling the bill purposely to deceive you. And then they marketed it that way. Friends, I want to make a suggestion. Look at the title on various bills that come up, whether they're in your state legislature, whether they're in the federal government, whatever. And test the title of that bill against what its real purpose is. Don't just take the title of the bill. That's what's being used to market it. In other words, to get you to go along with it. But what's it really about? Dig deep. What is it really about? You see, God's in turn, God's very interested in reality. When Mr. Trump, excuse me, Mr. Biden, accused Donald Trump and everyone who follows him as being a semi-fascist. What he was really doing is projecting on you and Donald Trump who he, that is who Mr. Biden really is. That's how they work. They work deceitfully. They project on others who they are in order, it's a kind of name-calling. It's a psychological uh, mechanism used, it's very effective to deceive people. Just accuse them of what we do. And accuse them preemptively so that nobody can come back to you because you are the one that made the statement first. It's how it works. A hidden camera, an educator, boasts of sneaking left-wing agenda into classrooms. That's right. Trinity School, a very high-end school in, where is this? We'll find out. Trinity School. A Project Veritas undercover journalist was there, and this teacher said she feels like a double agent who is sneaking her political agenda into classrooms. And she complained of pushback in classes from white boys who are protected by capitalism. 
She said, I just try to keep to disrupt wherever I can. And now that I'm in this position, I have so many opportunities to disrupt, she said. She said, I can't pretend I'm not promoting an agenda, even though I clearly am with all the stuff I'm doing. And she said, a lot of other teachers doing the same thing. We're like double agents. She admitted this, friends. But in public, she would tell you just the opposite. God says, I desire truth in the inward parts. Integrity, truth in the inward parts. It's not just what you say. It's whether what you say is true. And whether what you say really matches what is in your heart. And now we're living in a world of deceit. Very dangerous. Very dangerous indeed. Words matter. Now let me encourage you as we wrap up with these words from the book of Proverbs. The path of the just is as a shining light that shines more and more to the perfect day. So my son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to you, those that find them, and health or medicine to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So keep your heart, my friend, with all diligence. It's getting tougher and tougher to do that. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live in my laws, the apple of your eye. Bind them upon the table of your heart. What word? God's word. How important do you consider God's word? Not just in theory, not just theologically, but in reality in your own life. You really consider it as having life to those that find it and being health and medicine to all your flesh? We might, ta- we might take it more seriously, don't you think? Have you ever considered your own words as seeds that when they go out, and you know what happens when the wind blows and it carries weed seed everywhere. It's a constant war to fight weeds. How do they get there? They're little seedlings, like words, that are blown about, and then they hit ground, and they grow, and they prosper, and they produce horrific results, just like the speech of our president last evening. By the way, here is something you might want to consider do, doing. Don't just smile for the camera. Science tells us that smiling has physical, emotional, and social benefits. One of the things that I have always been accused of, frequently been accused of anyway, is why do you smile so much? Well, I don't know. I guess I just am content in my heart. I love people. 
I want to connect with people as God's emissary. And I have joy in my heart, so I smile. You can smile when you can't say a word. You can smile when you cannot even be heard. You can smile whether it's cloudy or fair. You can smile anytime, anywhere, but don't fake it. Get a copy of the book, Seduction of the Saints. I really think you'll be blessed by it. How to live without deception. How to live pure in a world of deception. It's an $18 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Or you can give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or you can give us a, or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. I think you'll be blessed. Don't try to read it overnight. But you're going to discover some things in and through that book that you never even contemplated as sources of deception and seduction. And remember, all the warnings of Scripture concerning deception and seduction are to believers. Jesus said right there, two days before his crucifixion, his disciples gathered with him on the Mount of Olives. And they asked him, Master, what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And the very first thing he said was, take heed that no man deceive you. It's a big deal. Paul warned about it. Peter warned about it. John warned about it. And we're warning about it right here. Because we want to see you stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, to stand, having your loins girt about with truth. So become a partner. Send your gifts, friends, by faith to Save America Ministries. Go to the website, saveus.org. Make your gift that way. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. You might consider to put it even in your will or your trust. Just had a call this week from someone in California said, my wife and I have decided to do that. We want to support this ministry in that way. God bless. Be a blessing. Remember, words matter. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.